Welcome to the Milestones Motivation and Money Podcast, hosted by Angel Radcliffe. Tune in as we discuss finances, success stories, and inspiring vibes that will help nurture growth. Welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by a certified financial planner, Merz Tariq, who is a partner at Peace of Mind Wealth Management. Merz comes to us with over a decade of expertise in retirement planning. He's dedicated to helping clients pursue their ideal retirement. As an author and co-host of the Secure Your Retirement Show, Merz speaks on investing with risk management, income planning, and tax planning for enduring retirement. Welcome to the podcast. Angel, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I am so excited to have you here as a fellow financial person. Uh, I love having financial conversations. And you yourself being a certified financial planner, this is going to be a great conversation. So you can definitely give us some gems and some nuggets for everyone listening today on retirement. Yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions that your listeners are throwing at you. I know retirement can be such an overwhelming concept. And you wonder if you're ever going to reach that point. And as far as my firm, Peace of Mind Wealth Management, that's all we do is we work with people that are close to or already in retirement. And and we're trying to help them in that major transition from earning that paycheck to now having to create that paycheck for the rest of their lives. And there's so many different things that go into it. I'm happy to be an open book for you today. Awesome. So how about you tell me, how did you get into this? It's funny. I think everyone has some type of story that... That, that kind of pinpointed them into where they are today. And for me, I went to undergrad at NC State University in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I actually still live. And I went in knowing that I wanted to be in business finance, but business finance is so broad. I had no idea which direction I wanted to go. And it, it just so happened the very, in my senior year, one of the last classes that I took, and at this point I was so undecided as to what was going to happen, but I took a personal finance class. And all we did there was talk about budgeting, basics of invest credit and debt management, and all those things that, that, in my opinion, should be taught from a very young age. But it wasn't until my senior year of college. And I said, you know what, this sounds great. I'm good with numbers. Uh, and I also learned about this thing called a CFP, a Certified Financial Planner. So that one class right there, and it was an elect- elective, by the way, I just happened to fall into that class, shaped how I was going to really shape my own future. And so went on to do the CFT education, take the test, pass the test. I worked for a bank for a very short period of time. And then now I've been at the company I've been with for um, almost 10 years. I'm a partner at Peace of Mind Wealth Management. We do everything around investing, retirement planning, tax strategy, and, and estate planning. Wow. I know when you're taking those exams to become a CFP, there's so many different exams that you can take in the investment field and then the financial field. For myself, being a certified financial educator, there's there was an exam that I had to take as well, which was a bit complicated. I'm like, I feel like I'm an expert in finances and consumer finance. But when I was sitting there and I was taking the exam, I was like, okay, I'm feeling the pressure. So for an exam like the CFP, how long did you have to study for that? Oh man, it was uh, it was way bigger than I had realized. I was one of those kids that could kind of study my notes before taking a test and and manage to do okay during the test. And then the CFP came, and I really I had to change the entire way that I learned and the way that I studied because it, it was a, a beast of a test. The education requirement took about a year and a half, 
and you get that under your belt and then you can study for the test. And for studying for the test, it was pretty much two months straight of getting home from work, going to the library for three to four hours a day and just self-studying. Then I took a crash course and then I got to sit for the test, which by the way, the test at that time, it was a two day uh, total of 11 hour test. I, they, I think since then they have changed it down to one day and maybe eight hours, but either way, it was still a doozy of a test back. So with your specialty being in retirement, I really want to get down to the nitty gritty of it because so many people in this country really fear retirement. They're getting to this age. I actually saw an article yesterday and it was talking about millennials, people who are just turning 40 and really getting to the step of realizing, okay, I don't have much time left to really work and save for retirement and not being in the best financial position. So why do you feel as though most people are afraid of retirement? It's just, it's, it's very overwhelming. Uh, go back years and, and retirement was somewhat of a similar, simple concept in the sense that, hey, you go work for a GM or a Ford or a big company and you work for them for 30, 40 years and you're guaranteed that you're going to have a pension when you leave that company. And so it wasn't so much about saving. It was just keep your head down, do the work and you'll be rewarded for working for this company for so long. All of that changed and now you have to be responsible for yourself. So really the only thing anyone can count on now, very few have a pension, even with, even in the clientele that I work with, very few have a pension. So you can count on social security, but social security is not nearly enough to really build a lifestyle out of when you retire. So what's the next step? You have to build all these different buckets of money that you can rely on once you finally say, hey, I'm done working. There's so many things. One is you got to save. The other one is you got to come up with a plan as to how this is all going to play out. And that can be overwhelming because you're planning, say you want to retire at 60 or 65. You have to plan for 30 years, 35 years. People are living to 100 now uh, of income. And so that it's really the fear of running out of money or maybe not having done a good enough job, the fear of just the unknown, not being able to plan for all the things that we don't know are going to happen once we finally do that, hit that button and say, I'm going to retire. So it's scary. And with the job market, the way it is right now for the younger generations, millennials coming out with tremendous amounts of debt from education and then not being able to get a good enough job to pay off that, it, it is a scary concept. So I, I can completely understand why someone would be scared of the concept. You mentioned two forms of retirement income. You talked about pension, social security. What are some other sources that people can rely on for retirement? So that's, those are the most common as far as fixed income sources, social security. I'm in my 30s. Hopefully that's there. I think there's going to be some tremendous amounts of changes by the time I get to social security age. Um, pensions, I believe, are going to be completely gone by the time I'm going to retire. I know for a fact that I'm not going to have a pension to rely on. And so then outside of that, you just have to build, I like to look at them as buckets, different savings accounts for retirement that, that are going to be able to provide you with income. So you can have, the most common is you go work for a company and hopefully they have a 401k uh, and you can start putting money into a 401k. Hopefully they match or do some type of uh, percentage match on what you're putting in to help you out a little bit. So that's really your pre-tax bucket. And then I really like the, the tax-free bucket, which is the Roth. The Roth IRA has a tremendous amount of power because you put money in and hopefully, and it should, if you invest it properly, grow over time, 
And the beauty of it is that you get to, when it's time to withdraw, you're withdrawing tax-free. And there's a lot of power to that statement because here we sit right now in 2021 and everyone's worried about what the administration is going to do with taxes, with uh, everything that's going on. Ultimately, there's a very strong chance that 30 years from now, taxes are going to be higher. So if you have a tax-free bucket to rely on, that makes the plan a lot easier. And then what a lot of people come up with is you can convert some of these buckets into more guaranteed income streams, like an annuity that's going to pay you guaranteed for the rest of your life. So like creating your own personal private pension. And then there's other different streams that people could come up with. Some people really like being a landlord and doing the rental stuff. And you could have passive income through a rental, or maybe you own a business and you've got the business set up so well that the business is your retirement and it is going to pay you out for the rest of your life. So all kinds of different avenues, but I would say the most common when you when you work for someone is usually you build those two main buckets, which is your pre-tax, hopefully a tax-free bucket, all investments, all investment oriented. And then you just have enough to where you can take withdrawals at a steady rate every single year. And you couple that with social security and, and then you've got a nice little plan to keep up with your living expenses. So in a sense, it's more so like diversifying your sources of income. And I know as a financial expert, someone like you who focuses on retirement and planning, that word diversification can be a little bit more deeper when you get into like which actual funds the money is going into. But high level, it's like, all right, I can pull cash. I can pull from my 401k. I can pull from social security. Is that something that you'd agree with? Yeah, I think it's nice to have options. Options are always great when when it comes to retirement planning. Sometimes we'll talk to clients and they put all of their focus into that pre-tax, that traditional 401k or that traditional IRA. And say they amass a few hundred thousand, a million dollars into this 401k IRA by the time they retire. What they don't realize, or maybe it's forgotten in their minds, is that it's all of that money is not actually yours. When you do the 401k, when you do the pre-tax assets, you can make a deal with the government that says, hey, the government's going to give me a tax break right up front for saving for retirement. And they're going to chop that money right off of my income for the year. So let's say I put in 10,000, 10,000 is going to come off of my income for the year. So it's a nice tax break up front. But what we, we sometimes forget is that we haven't paid the taxes on that money yet. And all those withdrawals are going to be taxable. So really, let's say you've got a hundred thousand in, in that 401k, really it's more like 80,000 that you're actually going to be able to utilize because a chunk of that is going to go to our best friend, Uncle Sam. So having those different buckets to be able to tap into just makes it so much easier to have a well, I'll use your word, a well-diversified income plan where we can take a small amount from one, a small amount from another. And next thing you know, you've got a nice combination that's going to create you a, a tax advantageous income stream as well as you've got your, you just have things in different places to allow them to work in different ways for you in in all essence. Awesome. So I really want to talk about someone who's trying to plan for retirement and maybe they've never thought about it before. I want to hone in on people who are older, especially minorities. There's so many conversations going on and discussing generational wealth and a lot of minority communities 
this is not a topic that's typically focused on. People will find out about budgeting, investing, retirement, um, what they should have at a later age. So late thirties, even in their forties, is it ever too late to plan for retirement? No, I would say it's never too late to start planning for retirement. And sometimes you may get that feeling that you're a little bit behind, but there's always things that you can do and you can buckle down. We've, I've talked to clients that are in their 50s and they just really, and they weren't prepared and, and the, what they were doing was not enough at the time. But then by the time they got to age 65 or so, they really buckled down in those last 15 years and made it work. Now, that's not the ideal situation because that puts a lot of stress, a lot of pressure on the budget, on the family, because now you're, you're up against the wall and you got to get from A to B. And the only way to get to A to B is saving a certain amount. And usually that ends up cutting some lifestyle. And a lot of people don't like doing that. But yes, it's always possible. And the first thing you got to do is you got to get some type of plan together. You can't just conceptualize retirement. I think Retirement really needs to be planned out and definitely written down. For all of our clients, we do a really a retirement financial plan, whether they're in their early 50s or 60s or they're already retired in their 70s. In our opinion, retirement is ever evolving every single year because life happens. And so we want to be sure that we have a plan that can keep up with it. And the whole point of having something written down means that you took the time to actually do the work. And what the work is really understanding. So here's my scenario. Here's my life. I am working. I, I'm saving this much. I've got these different assets built up. I have a goal of retiring at a certain age. So you start putting all these things together and writing it down. And now you can actually do some math and you can actually, or go to someone to do some math for you and say, is this actually a viable plan? And if not, what do I need to do to make this plan viable? Do I need to work longer? Do I need to pick up another job? Do I need to save more? Do I need to cut my spending some? Because it's not just how much have I saved for retirement. A lot of people think I just need to save and save. The other part of it is how much do I plan on spending in retirement? Because I'll tell you, we sat across the table with people that have a couple hundred thousand saved up for retirement. And we sat across the table that have people that have a few million saved up for retirement. And sometimes it's that family that has a couple hundred thousand that's better off than the other. And it's because every plan is different. It's all very relative. And some families overspend, some families are frugal. I think every, everyone should have a plan or start that process as early as possible so that you can actually take an interest in your retirement and your financial Exactly. I love that. And of course, with myself being a financial person, I always say it, it all starts with a budget. Everything that you want to do in life, especially when you're getting to the point of retirement, and maybe you do have to live off of a fixed income, you have to learn, like, how can you live off of a budget and are you going to actually stick to it? So those are very good points that you brought up. So I, I want to talk about people who are trying to plan for retirement and they don't actually have the money to plan. Because when we look at the country, we look at the number of people who have student loans, over 45 million people in this country have student loan debt. There's more than 70% of the people in the country who can't even save $1,000 for an emergency. So when you think about those numbers and you're piecing them together and you're like, okay, where would they even get the money to start investing or add money to a 401k? How do you actually plan for retirement without the money? That one is tricky. It's very tricky because the, the concept of retirement is it really, you have to 
have something saved up to be able to to, to be able to retire. And and the, a lot of things are I think need to change as far as what retirement is and how that's defined in our world, because there are so many, like you said, that just don't have the ability to even put away a few dollars every single month. But that's where it starts is finding the way to do that. Otherwise, you're forced to work probably much longer than you want to, so that you can get to right now, currently the, the most you can ever receive from social security is at age 70. We're seeing a lot of people that just haven't done and ha- haven't been able to save enough to retire earlier, being forced to work until 70 so that they can start claiming those benefits. And usually that's not enough. It gets pretty, but then on top of that, they still have to work maybe a part-time job or something like that. And that's just, there is no magic formula. There is no secret. It's just, you got to hopefully find a way to save and then work as long as you can. And, and I know that's not a pretty answer, but there, there, is, I, there aren't, there aren't going to be handouts other than Social Security. And Social Security, by the way, is not a handout. You've paid into it for years and years. And so that's in all essence, that, that was designed to be a forced savings for everyone is that you're going to pay this, these social security taxes, knowing that in the future, the government's going to give you some of that money back as a retirement income stream. But unfortunately, that's not enough right now. And there's some issues with social security as far as how much is available. I don't know if that's a good enough answer, but the problem with that, with the question is, I don't think anyone has the answer other than you just, you got to work and find a way to save some. And again, going back to the theme of the podcast and the fear of retirement. I want to go back to last year, beginning of the pandemic, where the market went down and everyone was panicking and people started taking their money out of different investment accounts, moving money around. For someone who is really working and saving for retirement, and in the back of their mind, they have the fear of there's going to be a crash, or I'm going to lose all of my money. And then they start withdrawing. What do you say to that person? It's such an, last year was such an emotional place with a lot, lot of things going on. The market crashing, the S&P 500 fell 34% in a matter of a, less than two months. And imagine being that person that was planning on retiring in 2020. You see your assets fall by 20 to 30%. And now you're like, oh man, there's no way I can retire now. The market's going to do that whether it's a pandemic or whether it's a housing crisis or a technology bubble, whatever it is, the market's going to do that from time to time. I think what's really important is having an investment strategy that you're comfortable with. So my firm, our strategy is to, in all essence, get out, get out of harm's way when there are issues in the market. So what that means is that last year in particular, we took all of our clients to cash before the market started to bottom out. So our most aggressive account was down about 9%, whereas the, the overall markets were down 34 And so our strategy is a little bit more active. And sometimes that means you're going to give up some of the upside. But our clients, once again, being close to retirement, they're okay to give up some of the upside at times, knowing that they're going to be protected on the down. So a strategy, you, you just got to be comfortable with the strategy you're in. The majority of strategies are, they, they say this, they say buy a stock or buy a mutual fund and just keep adding to it and hold it. And over time, it's going to go up. Yes. And in between, are there going to be some ups and downs? Absolutely. But just buy and stay the course. And so that's another strategy that works well. You just got to, you got to know the expectations when it comes to investing in the market, because there is a lot of risk and you can lose money. And sometimes that's just, it can be a bit overwhelming. 
Absolutely. And I come across people who tend to be these quote unquote mattress savers. So they'll stockpile cash, but it's not in a retirement account. It's not in investments. These people, I'm not, I don't want to put an age on it because there's young and old people I've found that do this because they're like, well, I don't want to lose my money. So I'm just going to hold on to it. And I try to explain about inflation and Oh my gosh. I don't know if this is something that you come across with the clients that you deal with, people who are stockpiling a ton of cash. Now, I want to get into number. Of course, you have to have an emergency fund, something like set aside for emergencies. But what do you feel like is too much cash to have on hand? That is a, that's a tough question because it's a very emotional question. People have reasons as to why they are stockpiling cash, whether it's a lack of faith in the government or the dollar or they're just wary of the markets and, and we're in March of 2020 where things just fell up. Everyone has a reason as to why they're keeping so much cash on hand. We have plenty of clients, you know, that will say, I'm comfortable with keeping a few thousand dollars in the bank. And then we have others that say, I need more, I need way more than I should just because it makes me feel good. Ultimately, inflation is a huge factor. Inflation over the last 10 years has been relatively low for, for what inflation has been. It's been about one and a half percent, but over the last 100 years, it's been closer to 3.2%. And now with the amount of money that the government has printed to keep us through, get us through this pandemic, inherently inflation is going to creep up on us again. So at the very least, we want to be investing to keep up with and surpass what inflation is so that our money actually works in the future. So when it comes to the emergency cash conversation, the rule of thumb is three to six months of your expenses. And I think that's a fine rule of thumb. And if you wanted to go above that a little bit, I think that's fine too. You got to get your money working for you at at the very least. You got to do something, even if it's a very conservative investment, you got to do something that's going to get you above inflation. Otherwise your money is just, it's going to it's going to dwindle away because the cost of living is going to continue to increase. So yeah, I don't have a formula or a number because I think every person is different. Every situation is different. Every family. And so I think having an emergency fund is good, but just don't overdo it because then you've got money that's not working for you, especially 20, 30 years ago, you can get a, a CD for five, six, seven, 10%. You can't do that anymore. And so what else are you going to do? You got to invest in some. Mars. I am enjoying this conversation. (laughs) We can talk about retirement all day long, but we are getting close to the end of the podcast. And I'm sure people who are listening are probably wondering how much they should have saved up for retirement. And is there a sweet spot that you should have? I'd say to retire modestly. And I, I guess that term is a bit, can be a bit loose and convoluted because everyone has a different definition. But what do you suggest as a certified financial planner an amount for someone to retire. That's a big thing that we've been trying to break is saying that you need to have X amount saved because every situation is different. And so that's why we stand so strongly behind, you got to talk to someone, you got to come up with a plan because if let's say you're the family that has that rental income, that fixed income with social security and the pensions, all of a sudden you don't need to have that much saved up in cash because you've got such good income coming in the door guaranteed. And then on the flip side, let's say you just only have social security to rely on. You're not going to have the pension or any other fixed income sources. Then yeah, you've got to save more and you got to more than that other situation. So uh, there's rules of thumb out there that 
they're good, they're close, but I, we don't like basing anything off of a, a rule of thumb or a, a guesstimate. There's a 4% rule out there that basically says you need to save up enough so that if you're going to take withdrawals, don't take more than 4% a year. Let's just say you've saved up $100,000 and you can't take more than 4% out of that every single year. That's kind of what the rule says. And I don't think that's, it's not, it's not specific enough. There's another formula out there that says if you save, I believe the number is 25 times your highest paid salary. And so let's say your highest paid salary was $100,000, 25 times that's two and a half million is what that rule is saying that you need saved up for retirement. There's a wide range. And at the end of the day, it's, I, we don't like facing the next 30, 40 years of what is supposed to be your best years off of a rule of thumb or, or off of a guess. We like getting pretty specific because I said it earlier, retirement plans, in our opinion, they are ever changing and ever evolving because life happens and we got to be able to move actively with what life brings us. Absolutely. Now, Merz, with me being a financial educator, I love to talk about budgets and credit and really helping someone get down to the foundational part of their finances. A part of my brand, I use this term balling on a budget. And the term has been around for years. I can think back to the 90s, like growing up and hearing it. And I think most recently I've seen it in a commercial for you, how would you define the term balling on a budget? I think I, I love budgets, by the way. My wife will tell you that I am um, very big on them. Anything that changes in our lives, I'm getting the budget out and I'm saying, all right, here's how we got to allocate this money. So I think balling on a budget is really, first, you got to have the budget and you got to stick to it. And then in my opinion, the balling part really comes when you do things right and you're actually able to enjoy or enjoy the benefits of proper budgeting. So you do things right. So you allocate money towards retirement savings, towards short-term savings, towards debt management, which is huge. And then all of a sudden, life gets a lot simpler and easier. Whereas if you don't start with that budgeting practice, and maybe you do get that good job, and then you start building a lifestyle based off of a certain amount of income, and then you get used to that lifestyle and you never save the dime. And all of a sudden you're like, I've got this car payment. I've got this house payment. I don't have any room in the budget to save because I've already built up this lifestyle. In my opinion, it needs to start in the opposite direction. It needs to start with, hey, you get the job. And then you start tackling the most important things, which is first and foremost, your most expensive debt and building up that emergency reserve, cash reserve, whatever that number ends up being for you. That's great. But working towards those two goals then once you get those in a manageable position, then you start saving. So you get these habits built early on when you get that first job. If you get the habits built early on, then everything becomes automatic for you and, and life gets a lot simpler. If you start the other way where you get the good job and you buy all the, all the shiny things, it's very hard to work backwards from that because you've already created a habit of spending and living a certain lifestyle. So falling on a budget is Budgets are not sexy by any means, but they get you to where you can do all the fun things in life. I love that. <laughs> Budgets are not sexy, but they get you to where you can do all the fun things. Yeah. All right. Well, Mers, it's been such a great conversation. Where can our listeners find you? So our company, our website is tomwealth.net. We've got a blog page there that talks about a, a lot of different 
retirement planning topics. And then we also have a podcast that has become pretty popular. It's called Secure Your Retirement. We're on all of the podcast places. Between those two resources, I think anyone that has questions about what we do, what we offer, they'll be able to find some good answers. All right. And you have a book that's coming out, right? We do. Yep. Yep. We have almost released it. I think by the end of June, it'll be on Amazon. It's also called Secure Your Retirement. And there's just a, a bunch of different keys that we believe are very important to be able to build a retirement that's going to work and that's going to last that we talk about in there. All right. So all of those links will be listed in the show notes for everyone who's listening. If you'd like to get in touch with MERS and find out more about retirement and maybe some of the things that you need to do or creating an actionable retirement plan for yourself. MERS, do you have any last words for our listeners? Maybe a little piece of advice is in your job, you take the time to get really good at your job and you, and you show up every day. I think what's equally as important is showing up for your financial future. And then oftentimes, unfortunately, it gets neglected. But I say it's such a big part of our lives and what our futures are going to be. Don't neglect your financial future. Take an interest in the different things that are going on there and it'll pay off for you. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with Angel online on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss RMBA. That's M-I-S-S-R-M-B-A. Be sure to subscribe and review. Join us next time as we continue to empower you through milestones, motivation, and money.